0: Thank you very much, Bertie. It's good to be with you this morning, and we really appreciate the invitation to be along. Let's turn together in the scriptures, please. We're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah and chapter 17. Jeremiah and chapter 17. We're going to break in at verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 17, the fifth verse. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath, or a small bush in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful. In the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Amen. And we know God will bless the reading of his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come around the word of God. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that your word is settled in heaven. And we thank you that you have exalted your word above your name. And we come, Lord, in submission this morning to the truth of God. We pray that you will open our hearts, that we might hear you, Lord. I pray that you would cleanse my heart and make me pure, Lord, in your sight. Cleanse me in body, soul, and spirit. I pray that you would sanctify me through and through. And I pray that you would grant the anointing and power and enabling of the Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord, that you would again put a hedge and a wall of protection round about us. And, Lord, that your glory, presence, and footprint would be in the midst this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. On one occasion, the Lord Jesus healed a man who was blind. When he touched the man, he said to him, Can you see? And he responded by saying, I see men as trees. I see men as trees. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but the Bible begins with trees in the Garden of Eden. The Bible ends with trees in the great city in Jerusalem in heaven. And right in the midst, we have a man who's hanging on a tree. It opens with the blessing of God through those trees. It finishes with those trees again with healing to the nations. But in the middle, the man on the tree is the man who is under judgment, who has the thorn bush taken and crushed into his brow who's hanging on a tree because in Deuteronomy, the word of God says those to whom judgment was due, they were to be hanged on a tree. It was an evidence of the judgment of God. And so it's a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus who bore our sin in his own body on the tree. In the Bible, the tree always suggests character, For example, when we come to the oak tree in the Bible, it speaks of a person who has strength. When we come to the cedar tree, it speaks of uprightness. There's no bends, there's no crookedness, there's no iniquity. Iniquity means a bent, but the cedar tree is not bent, it is Straight and upright. And that is what the Lord wants for you and I that we are upright. Interestingly, whenever the great temple was being built by Solomon, that he got the trees of the cedars of Lebanon, he used them in the building of the temple. They were upright. And God's temple is built of those who are made upright and straight by his redeeming work. I was very fascinated when studying this to discover what the Bible has to say about the palm tree. Many of you perhaps are familiar with the palm tree when the children of Israel were going in the wilderness journeys and it was very difficult to endure all the uh, sun, the heat, the sand. And eventually they came to an oasis where there were 70 palm trees. And they rested there. It was an oasis. And the palm trees speak to some degree of rest from the storm. But also, you remember the Lord Jesus whenever he was coming into Jerusalem just prior to his crucifixion. Do you remember the people came and they they took the palm leaves and they cried, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. You see, they waved the palm trees and the palm trees speak of triumph. The leaves speak of victory. Victory. And when you come into, again, the great temple that Solomon built in the inner doors that were going in ultimately to the Holy of Holies eventually, leading into the presence of God, those great doors in the temple, do you know what was on those doors before they were overlaid with gold? Well, there were palm trees. You see, the presence of God, as we come into God's presence, it is a place of rest. It is a place of refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it, and they are safe. But in the presence of the Lord, there is great triumph, and there is great victory. And only those who have experienced, and some to varying degrees, but those who have experienced the conscious power and presence of God in their lives, either personally or collectively with others in prayer, when God's power and presence descends among them, they experience that victory. They experience that joy and that triumph that comes from the presence of the Lord. You see, it speaks of the character of individuals. In case you think that it's not more decisive and clear than that, let me read you a few texts from the Bible just to carry the truth to you. In the verses that we have read together, we have, first of all, Uh, when Jeremiah is warning Judah of the impending judgment that God is bringing to these people because they have departed from him, they have been idolatrous, they have forsaken the Lord, and the Lord, through the prophet, warns them of the impending judgment which ultimately did come. But he speaks, first of all, about those who trust in themselves. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. There is a picture of fallen man, but of course, even as believers, we still have a nature and a tendency to trust in self. And of course, he says that person who trusts in themselves, in their own abilities, in their own resources and reserves, he said they are like a little bush in the desert. Now, God uses this imagery for us to grasp and understand the truth. He gives us the illustration of a little bush that's, that's just sitting in a desert and really struggling, really struggling, And then he says about this little bush that's sitting in the desert, he said, it shall not see when good cometh. In other words, it seems as though everything that good would come to it, it seems to evade, it seems to pass by. No matter how that person attempts to get into a place of blessing, it just will not happen because they are under the influence of the curse. It's one of the most powerful illustrations in the Bible of the effect and impact of a curse on a person's life. They will not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land not inhabited. It's a place where where you're just struggling for survival. And I couldn't begin to tell you how many people that I meet day in and day out who are born-again believers who struggle, who struggle almost to exist because of some negative influence in their lives or over their lives. On the contrary, he then says that the man who is blessed by the Lord and trusts fully in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is, he said, he is as a tree. He is as a tree. And the Lord points out about the believer who is blessed of God, the person who has put their trust in him, he said, they are like a tree that is planted by the waters— You see, the Lord takes you and I who are sinners by nature and he takes us out of the desert place where we're in death, where there is no sustenance, where there is no Holy Spirit to help us or minister to us. And he takes us from the kingdom of darkness and he translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. And the Bible very clearly says that the Lord plants us He takes us from where we were, and he plants us by his power. But he plants us by the waters. A tree requires water. If water is withdrawn, the tree will die. But the Lord puts it beside the place where there are waters. And water speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ezekiel of the great temple there that in the latter days that the river of God would flow out of the temple and it would go down and it would flow in great measure through Israel. And the Lord says wherever the the waters would go, there would be life. Wherever the Holy Spirit goes, there is the possibility of life life. And so we're planted by the river. It says then that they shall not see when heat cometh. The time of drought, when the roots of the tree are in the water, whenever there's a connection to the person of the Holy Spirit, that individual will not mind. It'll not be overwhelming when the heat cometh when the time of immense trial presses in because the roots draw from the water and the tree is sustained even in a prolonged period of drought, a prolonged period when everything around it is dying, the tree can survive. It has got a root system and it's drawing from the water. And in like manner, every child of God should be seeking to push the roots of their Christian life down into God. That doesn't just happen automatically. You must seek to press through the obstacles in the root system of your Christian life. You must press through those areas, obstacles, and difficulties that are otherwise in the way in pursuit of water, in pursuit of the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit, because anything short of the fullness and empowering of the Holy Spirit into the life of the believer will ultimately lead to failure. The only success in the Christian life is by the empowering and enabling of the Holy Spirit any man or woman who has ever been used by God in any capacity will freely acknowledge that any good that was done of value in my life was the operation of the Holy Spirit. I tapped into the river. I touched the riverbed. It was the river that done it. It is not I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. And so the Scriptures tell us, that the individual who has his roots down in the water, he will not mind or be beaten when the heat cometh. The leaf will ever be green, always fruit-bearing. It mentions that later on. The leaf shall be green. He'll not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Fruit just continues to flow. It is natural. One of the things I discovered, and I'm still discovering, but many years ago, was in a desperate desire, and I think if I'm uh, to share a little, I didn't intend to, but let me give you a little word of testimony, because it links into what was happening in my life personally was linked into what the beginnings, when Bertie and others were involved in, in raising this work up. Because way back 32 years ago, I was a very young person, a lot younger than I am now, but I was a very dissatisfied Christian. I was very dissatisfied because I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't pray. I knew I needed to win the lost, but I didn't win the lost. I understood I had been taught what I needed to be, but it didn't happen. Christianity was not working. I was like the little plant in that desert place. And it just didn't work for me. And I got so frustrated, so tired, so wearied, so empty. And I used to go to conventions and meetings, faith mission, other organizations, and I would listen to missionaries and servants of God. And when they preached and talked about the Lord Jesus Christ and told of how he spoke to them and guided them and provided for them and met their need, I used to go out and I said, well, I know I'm saved but I know also there's something terribly absent. I know that I'm not remotely like those people. Whatever they have with God is on a completely different level to where I am. And I became very unhappy in that condition, very unhappy and very unsettled. And I began to share with other Christians that I knew about what God was speaking to me about and how unhappy I was and and and, and they began to get a little bit uh, awkward around me. I didn't realize at the time, but, but they didn't want to hear about that. They were contented, you see. They were happy to be in the drought. They were happy for nothing much to be happening. They were contented not to be fruit bearing. They were contented that the roots didn't go down particularly deep or that there was a big flow of water, as long as there was just enough to touch a drip and sustain life. And I realized I was talking to the wrong people. And the Lord brought me through prayer meetings way back in an orange hall in Armagh to a number of people that were meeting for prayer. And I was told by a man, he said, I think you should go to those prayer meetings because he said, I think your problem won't be solved in our church, and your problem won't be solved in talking to the elders, he says, because they'll not know what you're talking about. But he said, you go along there, and you, I hear those people are praying, and he said, that's where you need to go. And I'm so glad in the providence of God that I went along to those prayer meetings in, ultimately, in College Street in Armagh, which was really the birthing place of this work here. That was the birthing place in that meeting, that prayer meeting in in Armagh. And during that time, in my discontent, I began to ask God questions that I hadn't asked before. I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? What's the problem with me? Well, I knew that there were problems, and I was aware of some of them, and I knew some areas of lust in my heart. I knew areas uh, that were well concealed. I knew there were areas in my life and my mind that weren't right. But nevertheless, on the whole, I was, you know, externally it looked pretty good I would have fitted into the average church but I knew in my heart there was something not right and I remember going along to those prayer meetings and what happened was people began to pray and this is what they prayed Lord please take my life and use me whatever way you want Lord, please just just take my money, take my business, take whatever it is. And it it was quite overwhelming to hear this kind of prayer. People being reckless with God, people being willing to abandon everything to God. I had never heard prayers like that in my prayer meeting. But what I discovered was that in those prayer meetings, where those prayers were being prayed, I felt the presence of God. And I didn't feel the presence of God in my standard prayer meetings. And I realized that, that God was now present, and God began to speak to me. And what he said was, Alan, I'll show you what your problem is. You happen to be in a fairly good church, nice sea of people, but you're an idolater. I said, Lord, how, how could I be an idolater? When I'm in, I'm in the meetings and baptized and all the stuff that they tell me to do, I've done it all. How could I be an idolater? And the Lord very clearly showed me, He said, Alan, you have an old motor car and He said you would, you get far more excitement out of polishing that car than you do out of praying. And that was true. And you get a far greater thrill out of hoovering that car than you do out of reading my word. And God showed me things about my heart that I never saw before. And he said, you see, that is the thing that makes you excited. What I want is that that excitement transfers from things to me. What I want is that I become number one in your life. And over a period of God speaking and dealing with me in my heart, I came to the place where I was honestly able to say to God, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. And dear friends, that was the beginning as I yielded to him and then simply trusted him and asked him, Lord, would you put my roots deeper into the water? And I began to realize and recognize that there was this great volume of water. There was this great sustenance that could come that I had never fully tapped into before, that I had just been drawing from. But you know, friends, the Bible says the river of God is full of water. There is no lack with the Holy Spirit, none whatever. It's all to do with us. It's all to do with us. Dear Christian, have you experienced God in the past? Did you meet him in secret? Did you meet him with others? Then why are you settling where you are? Why have you accepted your root system to be pulled up out of the ground? The Lord would say to you this morning, go back to the root system. Because without that, you can put what you like on the tree. You can make the tree look what you like. You can fill your head with all the knowledge that every preacher in the country could give you. But the ultimate in blessing is not to do with your head. It's to do with the roots going into the river. David said, he said, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. The psalmist said, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a great green bay tree. Oh, yes, people are like trees. But very quickly, I want to look at what this has to say also. If you turn with me in your Bibles to very quickly to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy in chapter 20 and verse 19. Here we have the mention of the trees again. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 19. This is part of the laws laid down by God for the children of Israel when they went into battle to possess their land. He says in verse 19 of Deuteronomy 20. When thou shalt besiege a city a long time, in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them, for thou mayest eat of them, that is fruit bearing trees, for thou shalt not cut them down, for the tree of the field is man's life. In other words, it's what we live off. We They were sustained by the trees to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which thou knowest, that they be not trees for meat. Thou shalt destroy and cut them down. And thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. There's three concepts, three words used in that passage that are very, very unique. First of of them is the trees. The second there is the fruit. And thirdly, there is the axe. The picture is that of trees being retained and trees being cut down. That's the picture in order for warfare. But I want you to see that the Lord Jesus, who is the Son of God, God the Son, and the living Word, he draws from Deuteronomy chapter 20 when he speaks in Matthew's Gospel. And if you turn over with me to Matthew's Gospel in chapter 7, you will see what the Lord Jesus had to say. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, and verse 16. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits shall ye know them? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but they that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, that's the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied or preached in thy name? And in thy name we have cast out devils, and in thy name we have done many wonderful works, and he will say or profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a very solemn passage of Scripture, because the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage brings a wall of demarcation down over people. A line that we, you and I don't particularly like to accept, but nevertheless, Jesus lays it down. And in such a stark manner, because he says there will be at the final judgment of all mankind, those who will come to him and say, Lord, we preached in your name. Lord, we prophesy. Lord, we cast out evil spirits in your name. Lord, we did many wonderful things through your name. You say, well, how could that be, Alan, that a person cast out demons, wonderful names, preached in his name? Because demons are not cast out primarily by a preacher, but by the name of Jesus. And unsaved people have and can on occasions Cast demons out of people by using the name of Jesus. You see, friends, uh, whenever you encounter an evil spirit, it's not frightened of you. It's not frightened of your name, but it is frightened of the name of Jesus. And so many things were done in his name, and things do happen through the name of Jesus. But here's where the demarcation is. They said, Lord, there's an awful lot of activity we have been involved in, an awful lot of religion, an awful lot of Bible around me, what I'm doing. And then he said, depart from me. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. That was the defining line. You that work iniquity. There's a bent in you to evil and you're not prepared to repent, and you're not prepared to deal with your sin. And the Lord said, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, friends, what Jesus was pointing out in this passage in Matthew's gospel and the other gospels where it's mentioned is something very, very simple. And that is the fruit of is the issue or product of a tree. Fruit is not the tree, it's the product of the tree. And Jesus was turning and bringing to the attention of these Jewish people, and they would have known the Old Testament and the Pentateuch, and they went back to Deuteronomy 20, and he said, do you remember the story in Deuteronomy 20 about the trees? Do you remember about the axe Do you remember about the fruit? He said, well, it's still the same. Men are still trees, and there are men who bear fruit, and there are men who do not bear fruit. The axe of God's judgment is still standing over men and women, and the axe will fall. And you see, the Lord Jesus was saying to these people very simply that the root and the fruit are inseparable. They're inseparable. One thing we tend to do here in in Ulster anyway is that whenever there's an evangelistic campaign and we say 20 have come to the Lord, 20 are saved, Many, many years ago, a retired minister came to my home and he said to me, Alan, never say that. Never say that. He said, if somebody asks you in your mission what happened, you can say that 20 people sought the Lord. But give it a year or two and you'll find how many are saved. They sought the Lord. But seeking the Lord doesn't mean that you're saved. The Lord Jesus made it very clear. He said, the root and the fruit are inseparable. In other words, if there's bad fruit or no fruit, there's a root problem. You can't separate them. If there's bad fruit or no fruit, there's a root problem. Fundamental. Serious underneath And that's why the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. The Bible says that we have to be continually on our guard and seeking in John 15 to abide in him. There's nothing as serious as the root system being connected to God my dear friends, it's a very personal thing. It's very personal, but it's very important. You see, there are different types of fruit. The Bible talks about the fruit of the tongue, what we say. And the tongue can pronounce amazing blessings. But the tongue also can, as one person said, Your tongue can get you into places that your hands and feet will never dig you out of. The tongue is a dangerous weapon. The Bible says it is set on fire or ignited by hell. The tongue, we bless men. And James says, with the tongue, we curse men. And then he said in despair, Brethren, these things ought not to be so. He uses the same principle, James, the brother of the Lord, and he says in his little epistle, he said, can a spring cast out good water and foul water? The answer is obvious, no. It's the same as the trees. He said, if the spring throws out bad water, it's because it's a bad spring. Types of fruit. God calls you and I to the fruit of righteousness. He calls us to a fruit, fruit unto holiness. And the ultimate in fruit is found in Galatians chapter 5, where it says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. You say, I would love to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Those are wonderful qualities. I would love those. I want to tell you God would love you to want them as well, and He would love to give them to you. You say, but I, I couldn't attain to those. Even though I'm saved, I couldn't attain to all that, all that, that, that that's a lot of stuff for, for my life presently, my dear friends, listen, if you're trying to achieve that by reading your Bible and saying your prayers and doing your best, I have bad news for you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But let me just reiterate what I've said already, that if you are prepared to truly put your trust in the Lord, if you're prepared to take your hand off your own life, And abandon your life unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let him take the steering wheel of your life and stay in the boot and let God be God in your life. If you're prepared to take that step of faith and retain that position, you will find that the Holy Spirit into whom you will tap, that he will give you love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. He'll give it. It's fruit. It'll just grow. It'll just come. You'll be as amazed as anybody else because it's his work. It's his work. And it's so sad whenever you see so many, the vast bulk of evangelical Christians, find themselves in this terrible plight of desperately trying to do the right thing. And they're saying, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do the other, I'll do that. And they're just sometimes worked out and worn out. And good people, don't get me wrong, good people but they haven't learned this vital component principle of complete abandonment to God and the root going down into the water and then tasting of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. My dear friends, the fruit... And then manifest in so many ways, whether it be soul winning, whether it be prayer, whether it be helping others, the gifts that are in the individual that God has imparted at birth, those gifts start to come to the fore. I have been amazed over the years praying with people. And I have noticed individuals who were bound in one way or another. And God then set them free. God delivered them, whatever it might have been. And they give their lives completely to Jesus completely to jesus i remember a man let me tell you a brief story of a man who came to see me three four years ago and he was certain areas where he was bound in his life and god began to speak to him and he was really desirous to move forward he knew he was bound he knew he wasn't going anywhere a lovely man he went to church he went to the prayer meeting he was involved in all that type of thing but he knew that he wasn't making any progress and he was unhappy And God wonderfully began to minister because you see, when you become unhappy, when you get to the stage of desperation, that's the key that turns it, desperation. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, Mm. they shall be filled. And so this man came and God wonderfully set him free from whatever was holding him. But you know what happened immediately afterwards? Once God set him free, he had these unusual gifts that God had imparted to him, gifts that were given. We all have gifts. And these gifts just started to come forward. (laughs) They just start, and, and some of them are quite unusual gifts from the Holy Spirit, but they just started to flow. And he's amazed. He often tells me, he says, Alan, I'm absolutely amazed. And this man at present, just at present, is preparing undoubtedly for full-time Christian work. If I would have told him the first time I met him, you're going to end up in first, full-time Christian work, he would have laughed. He's a very, very, uh, very, very influential uh, businessman in his particular field. But God, but God, God has got him. <laughs> He's got his root. He's got his root down into God. And he, come, he has come to me on several occasions, and he said, Alan, oh, I love my business. I'm at the top of my career. I have done so well. This is everything I dreamed of. But he said, it's dying in me. <laughs> Why is it dying? Because he said, of God. God is so real to me now. <sighs> God is so real to me Well my dear friends <clears throat> there can be various quantities of fruit Jesus talked about the sower do you remember what he said he said whenever the seed fell into good ground he said there would be some when it fell in good ground 30fold some would reproduce 60-fold. some would be a hundredfold are you fruit bearing are you fruit bearing my friend are you Don't be coming and telling me in a little text, I I became a Christian when I was four. That's wonderful if you did. But listen, are you walking with God today? Today? Or are you living like the world and you've put your suit on and you look the part? Quantity of fruit. The Bible says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Fruit bearing is the ultimate evidence of discipleship. I want you to notice in closing that the tree with bad fruit or no fruit, in Deuteronomy, God said, cut it down. Cut it down. He said, when you go to this, this siege situation and you look around to see the trees, he said, if you see one that's an apple tree or a pear tree with fruit on it, he said, don't touch it. You cannot touch it. God legislated it. Can't touch it if there's fruit on it. You see, if there's fruit, you're safe. If you have fruit, you're safe. That's the safe But the Lord said, the ones with no fruit, take the axe to them. Cut them down. They're no use. They're no use. One preacher said a fruitless person is not a failed Christian, but a false one. There are many Christians or apparent Christians and they're like Christmas trees. They look lovely. They look lovely. The lights, the tinsel, they look lovely. But they're not real. They're not real. One great old preacher had these words to say, and how apt they are as we close. When examining a life, be careful to distinguish work from fruit. A machine can do work. Only life can bear fruit. Are you a righteous tree? Are you planted? And I challenge you in closing, all of those who know that you are in Christ, are you dissatisfied enough to get those roots down into the river? Are you dissatisfied enough Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your precious and living word. We thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word giveth light. And we thank you, Lord, that the truth does set us free. And I pray that you will bless every individual here today and that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you will draw each of us to go after the Lord, to follow him, and to know his fullness. In Jesus' name, amen.